2: To my successor whoever he or she may be number one stay close to the americans stick up for the ukrainians stick up for freedom and democracy everywhere politics in general has taken total legal defences. changing one man at the top of the tory party won't make any difference It won't fix the problems let's have a fresh start for britain let's have a real change of government
3: Hello, welcome to the programme. You're listening to Bloomberg's Daily Guide to British Politics. I'm Caroline Hepke,
4: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up on today's programme, as postal ballots go out to Conservative Party members in the leadership battle, we'll speak to two young Tories at Oxford University for their views on the contest.
3: Plus, we'll also hear from Sue Campbell, the Football Association's Director of Women's Football, of course, after Sunday's triumph by the Lionesses.
4: And how could we not talk about it a bit? Lizzie Burton has joined us in the studio as well. Um Caroline, Lizzie, you know, who do you think Liz Truss is celebrating more today? The Euro 2022 <laughs> England women's win or Rishi Sunak's announcement on tax?
3: Rishi Sunak's own goal, surely. <laughs> oh, hi, hi. Well, she was pictured there uh, in her red jacket, yeah, celebrating alongside uh, the Mayor of London, of course. I mean, it really is a kind of momentous moment. I mean, uh, I played sports at, at school, at university, and then I ran a sports club, actually, uh, you know, in my professional life for a time. Nothing like the Lionesses, I might say. Uh, much more amateurish. But I think this is such a huge step forward for women in sports. And, you know, everybody has said that, but it's been decades in the making. You are a Lioness,
4: Caroline. Oh, <laughs> and
3: Liz Truss, of course, was an Equalities Minister. So yes. I'm sure she would like to think that some of her work then laid the groundwork for this victory.
4: Yeah, and I have to say, like, as someone who's not a sports fan, mm. I actually found this really compelling. And it was something that I got much more caught up in than I would for any part of the men's game. So there yeah. you go.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And lots of, of the kids who are at school with my kids, you know, bought tickets to go to the stadiums because the venues were across the UK. So I think it is truly inspirational. So I was so pleased to be able to speak to Sue Campbell, actually, who gets, you know, some part of the credit really for the architecture from the FA for the women's game. And for any of you that missed it, of course, here's a clip of that incredibly special managers press conference at Wembley. Have
1: a listen we've showed that all the time the quality of this team is so high and the depth too and that's what showed again I'm not sure if that's the reason I don't know but yeah we scored a goal
0: it's more than that though isn't it isn't it character and heart and motivation as well <laughs>
3: So there you go, the England's women team. They were storming into that manager's press conference in celebration. Uh, Lizzie, uh, you were following, well, did you follow the sport? You watched the whole thing, I know. I don't even need to ask you. Yeah, I was sat with my laptop watching the game and preparing to tell you about the Bank of England this morning. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Tru- truly covering all bases there. Okay, uh, Lizzie, thanks um, very much. Let's turn next to uh, an aspect of the Tory leadership race. No secret, of course, that Oxford University is the training ground of Prime ministers, more than half of the UK's 55 leaders attended Oxford including Clement Attlee Harold Wilson Margaret Thatcher Tony Blair and Boris Johnson so at such an important time for the Tory leadership race those postal ballots going out today we are taking the temperature among party members who are currently at Oxford University Caleb van Reinfeld is supporting Liz Truss and Shiv Mandala is supporting Rishi Sunak thank you to you both for joining us on the programme uh, Caleb we're, we're going to give you both the chance to lay out why you've chosen your a particular candidate. Uh, I'll give you a minute. Caleb, why uh,
2: thank, thank you very much for having me on. It's a uh, like to speak about this and to, to weigh in on this really important uh, decision that the members of the Conservative Party are going to be making um, over the next few weeks. I think what we really need going forward is a Prime Minister who's going to be able to restore uh, confidence in the office and in the government after what has been a, a period of, of turmoil and real difficulty in terms of connecting with the public for the government. I think we need a clear economic plan, which is going to rejuvenate the British economy and help us to recover after the knock-on effect of the COVID pandemic. And I think we need someone who really has the comprehensive experience in government uh, to get on with the job and deliver from day one. And I think that's exactly what you see um, in the case of Liz Truss. She's had a remarkable amount of experience in Cabinet and before that as a junior minister, being Environment Secretary, Justice Secretary, the Chief Secretary of the Treasury, Minister of Women and Equality, also International Trade Secretary, and now doing an excellent job in the role of Foreign Secretary. I okay. think she's shown that she really can deliver. Um, negotiating all of these trade deals post-Brexit, um, and also then further bolstered, I think, all her right. credentials by sticking as, with a, the as a
4: good as a good university debater. I, I will interrupt you <laughs> and, um, and, and, and and ask Shiv the same question. Why was she saying that?
5: Well, again, thank you for having me on. Uh, to put it simply, I think at the moment, economically speaking, we're at a, you know a crisis point. Um, And the key policy divergence between trust and Sunak has so far been their stance on taxes. And I fundamentally believe that it's sound macroeconomic policy in a time of inflation, not to raise taxes and increase aggregate demand, but to, sorry, not to cut taxes and raise aggregate demand, but to, you know, raise them. Um, And I think Sunak, you know, he's got his flaws as does trust. I'm not a huge fan of either one of them, but one of them has, a sound macroeconomic hat on. One of them is not making uh, promises to Tory party members um, that, you know, aren't in the public interest, that are fiscally sustainable. And one mm-hmm. of them is essentially offering us a bucket list of things, you know, as a Tory party member, I'd love to see happen. But um, I know aren't fiscally possible right now.
3: Okay. I think one of them is in
5: pragmatism. Oh,
3: sorry. Yes, Shiv, I'm, I'm just going to... OK, that's the elevator pitch then. So we've heard why you favour Liz Truss on one hand and Rishi Sunak on the other. Caleb, though, what do you think um, Liz Truss, or in fact, any of either of these candidates, really offers to young people? I mean, they haven't said, for example, a word on tuition fees. They've said very little on home building, let alone childcare costs. These are the issues that will surely affect the kind of 20 and 30-something voter, the voter like you.
2: Well, absolutely. I think the real strength that the Conservatives um, have across demographics, and this is equally crucial for young people, is their ability to grow the economy, to create those job opportunities, employment opportunities for uh, young people to have going straight out of uh, education or further education with university. And I think that this uh, excellent economic plan when it comes to cutting taxes, stimulating economic growth, and simultaneously making use of the fiscal headroom that we do have, according to government's own projections, is exactly what Uh, we should be doing to get the support of young people.
3: And Caleb, uh, Liz Truss wants to cut taxes now. Economists warn that that's going to add to the burden. That's going to hit your generation. Doesn't that bother you?
2: I I think it's really important to note that um, the government has um, set in place uh, fiscal rules um, to try and determine what would be responsible um, t- taxation and spending at this time. Um, and there is headroom in those rules. So we have around 28, 32 billion, depending on the metric you're looking at, uh, more than the government initially thought it was going to have. And I think the best way to make use of that is to really help strengthen the economy uh, by cutting taxes. I think, yes, the debt burden will be higher for the next generation, but we'll be much, in a much better position to pay it off if we have a healthy economy and far higher levels of employment
4: if I'm interested to hear you say that you're not particularly keen on either of the two candidates in this race. Who would you like to have seen involved? And does it make you a bit pessimistic about the future of the party and the, perhaps the future of politics?
5: I think um, my pessimism with the party just comes from, uh, I, I guess, I, I've always been a Tory very much in the economic sense, and I see their stances on certain social issues, which I personally very much disagree with. Um, that being said, there isn't a combination of economic and social policy anywhere in British politics that I'd love to see right now. Uh, so uh, that's that's my sort of pessimism with both candidates. I think addressing the sort of um, question on what they have to offer you, I do think Sunak does have the sort of interest of you know the future of the party, um, largely because as as you, you were saying earlier. I mean, plan will really hit me hard in terms of the debt burden in the future. I mean, borrowing more in this sort of rate-heavy environment seems like just poor strategy in the long run.
3: Okay, yeah, I, um, I mean, Shiv. Yeah, thank you so much, um, Caleb back to you i suppose as we ping pong through this uh, the other question really that this has raised and we touched on this just in the introduction is that oxford university and in fact ppe and i know you're both studying ppe uh, politics philosophy and economics has got a real stranglehold in terms of training up prime ministers is that a, is that a good thing uh or does there need to be more diversity of thought
2: I think it is really important that we have uh, prime ministers who can engage with the general public and and really have a real-world understanding. And I I think that just because they've studied PPE at Oxford doesn't mean that's not the case. I think uh, Liz Truss did study PPE at Merton College, uh, but actually she went to a comprehensive school. And I think that PPE has really become one of those degrees that people strive for if they want to go into politics. And what we really should be looking at is ensuring that the degree is reflective of those In the general population who have political ambitions, rather than, I think, worrying about uh, precisely which university the Prime Minister comes from.
4: Shiv, what's your view on that? I mean,
5: on the one hand, I fundamentally think when it comes to choosing our politicians, we should be looking at their individual merits and not their backgrounds. That being said, um, I think there is a danger with Oxford PPE. I mean, having been through the degree myself, what I know is it consists of a whistle-stop talk through, you know, important political thinkers, important economists. You never really spend much time doing any one thing. Um, it can become a bit of an echo chamber. I mean, Oxford, it's a brilliant academic university, um, but within your course, within the eight weeks you spend doing a particular topic, it can end up being a bit of an echo chamber. So I do think diversity of opinion is a great thing. That being said, I think that can come from a cabinet. I do think, um, you know, also PPE is, you know, historically important to politics, largely because PPE is great training for the art of politicking. That being said, I'm not sure how great it is for the art of policymaking.
0: You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th
4: Let's get back to the football. England beat Germany 2-1 after that extra time. 87,000 supporters at Wembley uh, in a match which will turbocharge the women's game in the country, according to the FA.
3: Well, it's England's first major women's title, the biggest win for English football, really, since the men's side won the World Cup in 66. Now, up to 7,000 supporters are with the team in Trafalgar Square this morning to celebrate the victory, to see the women hoist the trophy. And the Football Association's Director of Women's Football Baroness Sue Campbell spoke to us here on Bloomberg Radio just earlier this morning. It was really great to have her on. She talked about what the Lionesses' win means for the sport, for women in the world, as well as funding and diversity issues in the game.
6: It's a massive victory in terms of a football match, but I think it's a massive victory for women's football and, and for women's sport. It, it demonstrated just what a brilliant uh, platform um, women can provide both as players uh, the two coaches on the benches were both women the referees were women and eighty-seven thousand people came and had the most amazing party so it was just a, a brilliant example of, of what women's sport can do and uh, for women's football i think it it takes us to a completely new level
3: Baroness Campbell, you must be delighted. Your leadership at the FA really should be recognised, and the FA has invested so much in the women's game. After such a big
0: win, how can you capitalise on this victory?
6: Yeah, it's a good question. I had this morning, with my head full of uh, music, and I keep still singing every song that they were <laughs> singing yesterday. I can't, I can't clear my brain of it. Um, Look, we, we, this, is a, this is a landmark moment for us and, and we need to work very hard now to make sure that we don't lose this inspirational moment. Uh, you know we are absolutely committed to giving equal opportunities for all girls to play our game in schools and in clubs and we'll continue to invest in that and drive that forward. Uh, and then the next really big ambition is to make sure that our talent pathway can really reach out to every girl who has an aspiration to play our game professionally or pull on that lioness shirt. We, we need to do a lot more to get that pathway clearer, get it more accessible, and make sure that any youngster who has that desire uh, can, can follow that pathway and, and hopefully share in a beautiful moment like yesterday in the future. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, it's hard to sort of say this, but but overall, women in sports still don't get the pay, the contracts, the recognition that the men do. That's the kind of the downside, isn't it? Um, but I suppose, how do you start to change that? Is that the sharing of the main stadiums that have sort of been very difficult for women's football to access? Is that Premier League club investment? Or is it kind of grassroots that you're talking about funding for talent?
6: I think, to be honest, it's all of those things. And I think what today, uh, yesterday, will have done will have made people realise that this is a great place to invest. Um, And, and, you know, the Premier League clubs already do a... uh, A lot of them do a terrific job in supporting the women's game. The FA is investing very heavily in in women's football. Um, But I think we need more commercial partners. And when you talk about equal pay and equal opportunities... You know, it's really important now that people recognise this is a fantastic opportunity to be part of something that won't just change women's lives in football, but could change women's lives in wider society. It, it, it It is an incredibly important moment.
3: Yeah, it is. And of course, you know, to, to our audience who are business minded, business focused, you know, sports is a big deal now, certainly for the American VCs who are looking at, you know, these Premier League clubs on the men's side and snapping up, uh, or bidding at least for certain clubs. What would you, if you were speaking to them, what would you say to them to convince them to put their money behind the women's game, not just the men's?
6: Well, I think this, you know, I think investing in the women's game is what, what I'd call a purpose proposition. It has a commerciality to it and it has, it makes really good business sense. You know, 50% of our population are women and it can reach women. And, and watching yesterday, you know, a record crowd for men or women, 87,000 people packed into Wembley. So it, but it has a much bigger purpose. If you want to invest in something that's commercially sound, but it also has a strong moral purpose that you want to see girls and women in society achieve equally successfully as their brothers, their fathers, their uncles, then this this is the opportunity to invest in a sport that can really transform lives.
3: There has been criticism about the lack of diversity in this squad and also in the Women's Super League. What's your view on that?
6: Yes, I, I understand that. And it's something we're working very hard on. And I think if I go back to something I've said, the talent programmes that we've had in the past, because of we've had very slender resources, have always meant that you have to travel quite long distances to get to the centres of excellence that we've established. That means you're excluding an awful lot of young people. So we are introducing and have introduced two new programmes to try and widen the base reach deeper into communities and diversify um, the opportunity. But we, we do need much greater investment in that talent pathway if we are going to reach every youngster who has the aspiration to, to be a professional footballer and, and pull on that Lioness jersey.
3: Gary Lineker says that um, there should be the scrapping of fees for girls to play at clubs. I mean, a lot of the newspapers reporting, you know, the, the, the fees that junior girls teams still have to play in order to, to, to play under the club's badge. That that could be a first step that the premiership clubs could could invest more.
6: Well, I, I that would be fantastic. Uh, the reality in many of our clubs that are not linked to Premier League clubs, and there are many that are not, the reality is they have to charge in order to cover their costs as the higher of the facility, or the cost of a, a, the remuneration for a coach. So, you know, I, I think it's important to understand that the women's game has travelled a long way, but mm. it still has an incredibly long way to go. And we have a lot of work to do on the back of this success to make sure that we are giving those opportunities to girls and, and they're not prohibited by, involved in, by being involved in our national game because they haven't got the resources, the finances to get there.
3: Would a sports premium for schools help? That's something that Rishi Sunak is vying to be the next Tory leader has said would help, that he would back a sports premium for schools, so basically give them extra money, you know, to focus more on sports, have uh, have the uh, schools regulators look at the sports content in schools?
6: Well, I've been an advocate for better physical education school sport probably all my life. I started off life as a PE teacher many, many years ago. I'm passionate about the importance of physical education and sport in our, in our young people's education. And I absolutely would support anything that makes sure that we're giving youngsters a better opportunity in curriculum, in lunchtime and after school to play any sport. But obviously in our case, we'd love the opportunity for those girls to play football.